You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Thank you, Kansas City. We did it, baby. Good evening, Chiefs Kingdom. Welcome to the new episode of the Aftermath Podcast on another Victory Monday. I am your host tonight, CJ Jones, with my co-host, my brother, my friend, Chris Timpany. Chris, how are we doing on this cold but very glorious Victory Monday, my friend? Yeah, like a a win is a win. I know there's a lot of Chiefs fans that don't really want to hear that right now because that's the second straight week where it hasn't been a a sharp win against a quality, you know, against a quality opponent. Not not the case. But hey, eleven and three is eleven and three. So like, there's there's a lot of more things that I could that could be going worse for the Chiefs. Absolutely, there's other teams who are losing players left and right. Teams that are not even in the playoffs, and we just clinched our seventh. Chris, I repeat, seventh straight AFC West division title. Only one of three teams in NFL history have ever won their division seven years in a row. So as much as we it didn't look pretty, like Chris said, you still got to appreciate greatness while it's here. Because I remember a long time ago, Chris. We were on the opposite end of these division titles. So to be on this side for seven straight years, it flies by, man. I remember when Andy first signed here in 2013, and now look at us later, seven years later, man. That's crazy. Right, right. Just just consistency year in and year out. And, like, let's the, – the, the, clearly, you go into overtime with the Texans, like, there's some things to talk about. Just generally, where's your – Where's your panic level set at for this team moving into the playoffs? Yeah, honestly, coming into this game, I wanted us to clean up a lot of things that we haven't been great at this year, especially coming out of the Denver game. But I guess, like, the panic meter really hasn't changed because we did what I expected us to do. Like, I wanted us to do more, but the defense struggled. Offense moved the ball when they wanted to. We had stupid penalties. We put the ball on the ground again for the ninth straight week. I'm tired of having that conversation. But – they honestly didn't do anything wildly different. And honestly, how much can you really take from a Texans game that really is a team that's not in the playoffs? Obviously, they had a lot of guys that weren't playing, but they're, the complacency level kind of sets in because they're human. Like, you want to get up for games, but, Chris, we know it's hard, really, to get up for a game versus a team that's 1-11-1. So they did a lot of things I wanted them to do. Like, we did move the ball. We did run the ball effectively. Ironically, we won the game on a running play, so that was good to see. And I, before the game, I tweeted out with Chris and one of our other friends, I wanted us to run for 100 yards. And essentially, mm-hmm. we did that between our two running backs. We did that. It wasn't pretty with the fumble, but granted, we did run the football. Even if that is the worst rush defense in the league, we worked on things that I wanted us to improve on. So, Yeah, and I th- I think the big issue why everyone's freaking out about it is because they see the score and they see the record of the, the Texans. So they're like, <laughs> oh, the Chiefs' defense sucks, oh, this and that and that. And, you know, and it's like if you watch the game, like visually – visually it didn't look that bad like to be to be completely honest like even on the defensive front like the biggest issue here was the texans took advantage of two turnovers including a 17 yard field i don't care if you're playing you know kansas jayhawks against uh, nfl defense (laughs) you give them 17 yard field like the the, the chances of scoring a scoring a touchdown are pretty high for (laughs) you know what i'm saying so like uh, that one was that one wasn't on the defense, and then they took advantage of another short field. I think it was only forty yards. It's like two turnovers and some bad penalties. Not all the penalties were bad, but there were some bad penalties. This very very track. questionable. You can't <laughs> sit here and complain about the defense and the penalties. 
You can't you know do what that. I'm yeah, like like you I can't, can't play against the football team. That was, right. I can't right, that. right. Like that was a huge that was a huge part of why the Texans were in this game. And and mm-hmm. it sounds terrible. Everyone hates the fans. Everyone hates the players that <laughs> that blame on the referees because it just looks soft. It looks weak. It looks like you're looking for excuses. But this is one of those games to where like it was very warranted. It was very clear. It was Carl Shevers who I don't know any other refs officials in in the NFL. I know his name because the Chiefs are one and six against the spread when he calls, and they've only been called for ten or more penalties twice this year. This game against the Texans and the Raiders game, the yeah, other we game. All remember how that Monday Night Raiders so, game went. So, so like this this dude and his team has a has a track record. So I think Chiefs fans are completely in their right this time for complaining about the refs. It was a big absolutely, aspect of why the, why this game went into overtime. Absolutely. When there's a pattern and you show that pattern, it's not just this year. This dates back to the playoff game when we played the Tennessee Titans. Everyone remembers that quote when Travis Kelsey was in the locker room post game after we lost to the Titans, and he said that guy shouldn't even be able to work in a footlocker. So yeah. this guy's history goes back years ago. So this isn't even a new thing for us. Wait, wait, wait. He was the referee about the forward yep, progress against, against Derek Johnson? Remember that playoff game when Travis Kelsey was mad? And he got fined because he said he shouldn't even work in a footlocker. That yeah. was Carl Shepard. I didn't. I didn't realize that was the Titans' playoff game. I thought yeah. it was like a regular season. I didn't realize. Yeah, that's when this. I remember that game. Our season was. Over. Oh Everyone my! Was pissed. Yeah, this guy. It, the, he has too much of a track record. His uh, the, the arrowhead for years, him man. And, Carl, and, no one likes Carl Shepard, bro. Like <laughs> it's it's a big it's a huge factor for why this game was this because if you look at paper on look at it on paper the Chiefs had five hundred 30 plus total yards. The Texans only had 219. Pat had almost a flawless game. Yeah, Patrick played play, played amazing. I mean, it, I mean, he took the sack late and missed a couple throws earlier, had a drop. Like, but I think I think the 20 completions in a row is a little fabricated just because he threw a lot of underneath stuff, which was what the defense was giving. And like that's what you gotta do, but it wasn't like that stat alone made it a good game. You know, you know what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, like, like when you look at, I was just looking at the stat sheet. Like he obviously, like when you look at it, it was like Travis Kelsey had a quiet hundred yards, right? Yeah, like a head. quiet 89. Yeah. Like, MBS makes some big catches. Jerry McKinnon two weeks in a row has had a big run to end our a big play at the end of the game to seal the game, whether it be via screen or via run game. But yeah, it just it just shows that like when you're and it's not just us. So I don't want to like point out and like single out Chiefs Kingdom as if they're the only fan base complaining. You saw all the games across Saturday and Sunday. There's like so many bad calls Mm -hmm. across the NFL. And it's always a theme of like, well, why are refs not full time? And this is clearly a full a a billion dollar industry where we have referees and they don't do this full time year round or have the training and the thing they need to do to make sure they get the best calls in the game and get the best product out there. But like Chris said, we know how this goes. It's an entertainment business. They're not necessarily meant to get things 100 percent right all the time. They want to it's not drama. If there's no drama, it's not really a good product for the NFL, uh, You so. know what? They should get it right. You, um, they obviously should. Clearly, they do. You would think. You would think. <laughs> but you bring up a good point. There's a lot of fan bases. Like, I'm pretty sure Commander fans and Patriot fans are feel like they lost because of referees. For The Vikings almost lost. For yeah, the Vikings almost lost because of a referee, referees as well. But um, any, the point is, like, the Chiefs won. They still were able to overcome that. They're yeah, still able to, to get, get the win. Um, again, a lot of people, and I feel like I say this every week. We the defense. I'm not ever starting to sit up here and saying they're good. I know the defense isn't good. They're just not the reasons we're struggling. But it's yeah, exactly. Like you know that the strength of this team is the offense, and the offense was so good for most of the time. But you can't keep turning the ball over and expecting this defense. Them short deals. Like what do you expect them to do? <laughs> like, I like 
that's nine straight games with a turnover for the Chiefs. Well, the last time the Chiefs so played a full NFL bro. game, week five against the Raiders was the last time the Chiefs played 60 minutes and did not turn Ironically, the ball over that one offense. against Carl Shepard as well. <laughs> right, that is kind of That's super ironic. But, like, <laughs> that that just makes it so much tougher for a defense you already know, like, isn't isn't the best. It's not as bad as, as, as the Chiefs fans want you to think it is. But it's still not good. And putting in those in the situations, obviously those teams are going to score. And it's just – that's my number one thing that needs to get fixed is hang on to the dang rock. Bro, and, that, that, and obviously you don't want to throw interceptions. And we put and we hold Mahomes up to a higher standard because we know he's the best quarterback in the league. But some of our best players – and obviously we know the Travis Kelsey fumble was demoralizing for us because right. we had all the momentum on our side. We were up four. 12 minutes left. We go down there. We were, we had scored three times, three drives before previously. So we were going down the field to score for a fourth time in a row, which would have gave us all the momentum for that game. And then Kelsey putting the ball on the ground, just like we said on that episode, it just caused a snowball effect. And I think it's kind of lingering over because now we've had back-to-back weeks with fumbles. Like, obviously, last week, we know we had a fumble, and then we had two more this week. And I'm like, guys, we got to clean this up. Like, December should be the month we're getting all those issues out the window. I don't want to go into January with us still having issues of turnovers. We got to finish these. My goal for these last three games, Chris, is no turnovers. That's really my goal. For, and I think that's a legitimate goal. I think it's obtainable. Like, I know people will say, well, they've done it nine straight weeks. But a lot of our turnovers, like Chris has said previously, have been in in certain moments when the game is either clinched or over. But essentially, as an offense, when you're going against these three defenses, we're going to race the face the rest of the year. But these three teams, obviously, we know we got guys coming back. Kadarius Tony came back and looked healthy. Miko's on schedule to come back next week versus Seattle on Saturday on Christmas Eve. We want to get in the good rhythm and get into playing good habits and playing good football. So when we go into January, we're playing at our best and guys are healthy. That's really what I want to see these next three weeks. Yeah, exactly. You, you hit the nail right on the head. Like, there's still time to get in the groove, but you just can't. There's three common things in, in every loss to every loss this year, too. It's the Chiefs have lost the turnover battle. Yep. Or maybe two things because Pat didn't. Pat did not throw a pick in the Bengals game. Chiefs have lost a turnover battle and they've missed a field goal. Yep, those all are those those. Most always happen. Those like they could have won the Bills game. Pat threw a pick to end the game. They could have won the Bengals game. Travis fumbled and and Harrison Butker missed a field goal late that could have tied it at twenty seven. I still think they lose even if he makes that. But it's currently helping my argument. And then against <laughs> the Colts, you know, um, the Sky Moore fumble. Pat threw a pick in that game, and we all know. Right or am, not right, uh, Amendola or whoever the heck the kicker was that game. Oh yeah, we missed a few kicks. <laughs> so like double kicks. So you can't be doing both. That leads to the disaster. And the Chiefs have to get to segue into the kicking stuff now appear to have a kicking problem. I mean, we've kind of been talking about it for a while, and it seems like now it's finally like. Oh god, I don't know what's wrong with Harrison, bro. I know he had the ankle injury, so I was giving him some grace. I was with Buffalo right, same. back, and even with that ankle injury, he knocked in like a sixty yarder. At home. Exactly. I'm like, I don't, I don't get him. He misses. And that's kind of been his theme this year. I think this is his lowest, obviously, percentage of makes. I think he's at like 76% when I checked it this morning. And it's during his career tenure here, he's been. He's no the second most in NFL that. history. He's the yeah. second highest percentage in NFL history behind he's Justin been no Tucker. No lower than like 88, 89% the past like four or five years. So for him to go through these issues, like what's happening now? And obviously, you can say maybe the injury is still bothering him and you don't want to make an excuse. But at events, at the end of the day, there's all things that are that are obviously liable when it comes to making a kick. You have to have a good snap for one. You have to have a good hold, and you got to have good execution with your timing and rhythm of the kick. So obviously all things are, are being considered right now because you can't really blame every miss on Harry. Sometimes there's been some snaps that Tommy wants to get the laces out or get the laces pointed in the right direction. Punter drama. 
Yep. Obviously, like we know Newsom is kind of missing. Like I know Andy kind of called him out a couple of times saying we need to get the snap down. Tobin said that as well in some of his pressures. So obviously all guys want to do better. And I'm sure this week they're going to obviously, and we've heard even your guy, Dustin Colquitt, right. Dustin Colquitt had his little, um, had his critique of what Tommy's been doing. And Tommy kind of fired back a little bit. So we can get into that later. But um, guys, guys, you. now we're on special teams. Like, hey, guys, Justin, Col- off, man. So Justin Colquitt basically came out and said that it's not all on Harrison. He's been getting screwed all year by the holds, calling out to- Tommy Townsend yep. as a holder. He did back it up saying he's a fan of Tommy actually punting, but on the holds, like it's a whole different ball. Apparent, according to Dustin Colquitt, Tommy Townsend uh, leaves a lot to be desired on holds. And then Tommy fired back and he was like, Coach Reed preaches about blocking outside noise we don't care about it and that's crazy because dustin colquitt's gonna be a ring of honor guy yeah that's kind of crazy to say like i understand you're pissed off but it's like it's not like some fan or some like a bum on the street that's dustin colquitt yeah it's not like c dot or 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 briscoe or some you know someone in the the media you know coming out and being like you know oh it's the whole you know saying stuff it's a it's literally a one of Ring of Honor punter for your franchise, and Tommy right. Towns is saying we block that noise out. Whatever, bro. Like, I mean, like I understand you're upset, <laughs> but man, just just take it and move on. Like, yeah, like, exactly. It's, it's, like, it's all three guys, and I'm sure they've all had numerous conversations. Like, all right, I'm sure they're in practice going to be tomorrow. Like, what are we doing in Toby? Like, what are we doing to make sure that this transaction and this execution is going to be as crisp as possible? Get your snap good. So make sure you get a good grip on the ball so you can get the ball back as efficiently as possible. Tommy, you get a clean catch. Get the ball on the ground and get your laces out. And Harry, make sure you're on time with Tommy so you can get the ball off your toe and get it in between the uprights. So it's it's it sounds so simple, Chris. And I know fans get frustrated. Like, it's all you do all day. That's yeah. all I've been hearing. Like, why are you missing kicks? I'm like, they're human too. Just because you're you only have a one job part of the team doesn't mean you can't miss ever. There's right. no kicker in the field in the history of the NFL that's never missed. You miss. So I don't like to hear that Harrison's missing, obviously. But and nobody wants to hear about excuses. But unfortunately, we know circumstances are real. So at this point in his career, I, I have faith that Harrison's going to get it right because, like you said, Chris, he's made so many big kicks. He's made so many big plays for this franchise. I, I and I know fans are frustrated. I feel the frustration. I'm not blocking out anything, but I find it very hard to just lose all hope that Harrison Bucker is just a bad kicker now. Just because he's had a bad like couple months stretch. I know he's going through a lot, and I know he should fix those things by now. But I'm gonna give him some grace because I've seen this guy win us games. I can't just throw out all that out the window and just forget everything he's done up to this point, Chris. Right. And you know, the grass isn't always greener. There's a reason there's a lot of names for certain franchises you still hear is because the fear of giving up a kicker that is productive is is tough because that, there's to a reason a kicker, man. <laughs> there's a reason Mason Crosby's been on on the package. There's a reason Robbie Gold spent ha- you know ten years in Chicago and now there's like another Adam ten years <laughs> ten year, ten yeah another ten years in for, for the 49ers and now with Adam Vinatieri like the good Ryan Suckup who doesn't have the leg he's been in this league a very long time because very, he's an accurate kicker from 45 and less like if you have a kicker that a quality kicker keep him and even though Harrison Butker's been the dip he has the injury he has some you know maybe this holding thing is an issue like it's not time to give up on Harrison really Butker like, we, we saw what life was like without Harrison Butker exactly. why do you think it's that easy to just replace him right <laughs> it's not that easy like yeah is he is, is he been doing as well as we're accustomed to no is it still probably way better than uh yeah getting anyone in free agency or you know whatever like yeah yeah, he's uh, going to yeah. be fine. You could still actually like, you know, if you had to line up for a 65 yarder and at least attempt it, you know how many kickers there's like 
three kickers in the league that you could even attempt a 65 plus That's yarder with. He's one of those guys. And he's man. one of them. Like <laughs> I, can't, I can't just walk out and say, hey, bro, you want to kick 60 yards? Like Guys don't do that. I understand it's frustrating and it's part of his career. We're going to look back on this two, three years from now, like, man, he really struggled that year. I'm like, bro, it is what it is. But at the right. end of the day, like Chris said, it's so it's just like left tackles. And I know everyone gets on Orlando Brown. It's so hard to find a left tackle or right. a kicker. Those positions right. are not easy to replace. Why do you think those guys usually don't lose their job too often? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, because they get a little bit of a grace period because it's going to be tough to replace not them. not that many guys out there. <laughs> but having said all that, it's still pretty ridiculous to me how that Houston game ended to where you have Patrick Mahomes, you have what you've been doing on offense, you know that your kicker isn't a hundred percent. Like you take the mixed missed extra point aside, like those just kind of happen. You just know going into your game that your kicker's been a little off, especially from forty five plus. Mm-hmm. I think four of his six kicks are from further that distance. Why are we settling for fifty one yarders? Why are we scared of leaving time on the clock for Davis Mills? They're trying to move the clock down, I guess. They they were scared to leave too much time for Davis Mills. Like, I don't care if he has 15 seconds, a minute and a half. I don't care what defense he's going against. Like, try to win the game. (laughs) And don't worry about that. The chances of you still coming up are huge. Again, your your defense only gave up two sustained drives all game. And the only reason one of them is because they had five penalties in one drive. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. They all three. So here they scored three touchdowns. Two of them were from turnovers. Then mm-hmm. the other touchdown was because of penalties. And the only drive they scored points be, because now they ended up in a field goal. Exactly. Like, why are we worried about leaving time on the clock and giving it up to our <laughs> injured kicker to hit a fifty yarder instead of just letting you know the guy that's completed eighteen passes cook a little bit and maybe Almost make a proper de- you know make a proper record. decision like why isn't that the play call at the end of the game that's where my head goes like what are we doing Andy? no I completely and I and I guess you can cut it's kind of like devil's advocate to play that part. I guess if you're from an Andy perspective, you're thinking I'm not putting this ball game in the hand of our Carl Sheffers. He's been messing with our defense all game, so I'm not going to even give them an opportunity to get some dumb BS PI call. They chuck the ball down the field, get a defensive pass interference. Next thing you know, they're inside the 40, and then they get a long kick with a chance to win the game. So he said the last play of this game is going to be on our rules, on our terms, and we're going to try to win this game. Either we win it or we go to overtime. So I, I get I get the concept, but I, I feel you on that, Chris. Be aggressive in those moments because we know what our offense is capable of. But on days like this, I'm just happy to be one because at the end of the year, games are crazy. Refs are out here trying to be Pro Bowl all-stars and trying to get the numbers up so they can get to the Super Bowl. And clearly, Carl Shepard doesn't like us. But at the end of the day, you got to find a way to win because that's what good teams do. And that's kind of been our mantra this year. We've had a lot of ugly games. This is not our first one. And I'm hoping mm-hmm. it's going to last. But it won't be. It won't be the last ugly game. <laughs> it's right on theme because we all saw how the Colts – had a 33-0 lead on the Vikings, our largest lead in NFL history. They came back. We obviously all saw the Eagles struggle with the Bears, and then we saw the Cowboys go down to Jacksonville and lose to the Jaguars. So it's right on par with what's been going on this week and what's been going on this time of the year. And the Texans were just in a dogfight with the Cowboys on the goal line, and they right. really decided to run the ball up the middle and they could have scored off a of play action. But it's, it's very – people say weird, but it's kind of on brand. This happens a lot. Teams with a low amount of wins – play their Super Bowls at the end of the season, these high-win, high-market teams kind of play down to their competition and kind of think they have it all when they really don't. So, unfortunately, we kind of got a little complacent. But at the end of the day, we did find a way to win. And that's the only thing you can say about this team. We're very resilient in those moments. You don't want to see it be against those kind of opponents. But, at the end, like Chris said off-air, if you look at the Texans' schedule and look at their record, I think Chris said they have 
You said so out of eight, so out of their twelve losses, twelve losses, ten of them have been decided by thirteen or fewer points, including yes. like you know twelve point losses to the Eagles, you know eight point losses to the Titans and Giants. Like these are like playoff caliber teams. Exactly. So we know what, you, what happened with the Cowboys last week and now the Chiefs this week. So like. Yes, they are a bad team. Yes, they are probably, depending on the day, they're probably the worst team in the NFL. But that that doesn't mean that they don't have fight. They don't have skill. And they, they have a Super Bowl. Uh, he didn't win the Super Bowl. They have a coach that's gone to the Super Bowl and Lovey Smith and has that experience. Like, they're going to be a tough team to play against. They just don't have a quarterback to win the game for them at the end. Exactly. Everything that else is going to be easy. They're going right, to be tough games. Right. <laughs> so, like – uh, it that there's there's been a lot worse teams in the NFL than the Texans. Absolutely. And I don't know if that gives Chiefs fans any solace because it still went to overtime. But again, it's because of two turnovers. In my mind, it's because of the two turnovers and the officiating. And we kind of knew that coming into the game. If we clean up those turnovers, then we can at least give ourselves a chance to go win a lot of big ball games when it comes to January. So. That's oh, kind of our that that's why that's my main goal the next three weeks. Clean up these turnovers and let the rest of it handle themselves. Because we know if we stop putting our defense on these short fields, we're probably gonna have a lead. And our defense is much better playing with the lead than they are from behind, Chris. Right. And oh, by the way, who who almost blew the game? The offense. The Chiefs won the toss in overtime. The Chiefs had the ball first. We gave the ball to, back. And had to punt. Is that we gave the ball back. And and if you were on Chiefs Twitter or Facebook or whatever at the time. I, it was just streaming with how, oh, the Chiefs lost. The Chiefs were over because the defense wasn't going to be able to get a stop because they were terrible all game. What Frank Clark do? What <laughs> Frank Clark do? He got sucked in hard inside, gave Davis Mills the edge, <laughs> which was a bad play. Didn't give up, though. Made up for it. Sat, you know, stripped, stripped it. And uh, Willie Gay went fishing and came out with the ball. And shout out to the rest for trying to say the Texans recovered it. And then you see Willie Way's quote after the game. Yeah. <laughs> he had to say, I'm holding the ball over my head. So whose ball is it again? Right. <laughs> like you said, it was blue ball. And I'm holding it. <laughs> yeah, in the scrum with Willie on top of the ball. This was in the Kansas City Star. Um, Willie said that he could hear the officials being like, oh, it's going to be blue ball, blue ball. And Willie, that was when Willie, like, made sure to try to get ran up out, out of the guy, guy ran out with the ball and so that they didn't have a chance that the officials didn't have a chance to fish. Like that's wild. Like if that's true, that just shows you how much like these refs were really like, I, I don't like to blame them for all the outcomes of the game, but they have so much impact on these games. Right. And it's like for, to have someone that's, Obviously, we know refs. This isn't their full time job because a lot of refs have other. Which things is ridiculous to me. Doesn't does not make sense. Like the NFL is a billion dollar industry, and these people who have a direct impact on the game do not do this full time. Like, why would I put my job in the hand of someone else who isn't here or isn't like one hundred percent focused on this job, and I'm one hundred percent focused on mine? That, yeah. that it, it makes no sense. Like Chris said. Well, and it's it's like. I, I don't know. They work one day a week, so like, how can you pay someone a a year salary for? You know, working one Yeah, like they, they work for the NFL, <laughs> you know, yeah, on the highest, the biggest, biggest in the world. Like, I'm not saying these guys have to be millionaires, but I think the NFL could afford to, like, pay them tri- triple digits to, to work one day a week. You know, 100, 
100K, I bet a lot of officials would be okay with that. Hey, I'm not going to lie. I was watching that Vikings-Colts game on Saturday afternoon, and literally we know this one rule they've been working on the past two seasons where they don't want the play to be blown dead. They want the play to continue to be playing out so you can make the call accordingly after the play is gone so you can get all of the necessary data. So to see that call, they blew it dead twice, Chris. Twice in that Vikings-Colts game, and both of those plays ended in touchdowns. Right. The Vikings, and they blew both of them dead. And I'm like, that's literally a, a rule y'all been talking about for the last two years, and you still have refs messing that up. And all you have to do is just not blow your whistle. Just right. don't blow it. Just, like, let the play happen. Yeah, in the Vikings game, that was terrible. Like, the running back ran up the middle, fumbled the ball in the strong very, quick, very quickly. It took, like, another two steps forward. The refs hadn't blown it dead because the refs didn't see the ball hit the ground. And, like, <laughs> and then the running back falls over. It hasn't had the ball for three seconds, but it falls over, and the ref fish call it dead meanwhile the vikings safety is already taken it into the end zone it's like makes no sense at all these guys <laughs> have been so bad and it's just so fresh i hate talking about officials i hate it i, I, I hate, hate it, it i hate too, it but it's like i've always said this I, there's gonna be missed calls but how do you miss obvious ones like those right. are obvious chris like anybody could make that call like what are we doing like it yeah. was tough it yeah. was tough very but tough very now tough. we're on to the seahawks um okay. seahawks are fighting for their Wrong playoff live uh, you know, if if they lose, the Seahawks are. It's going to be very difficult for the Seahawks to get into the playoffs if they lose this week. They are now what a seven and eight football team. They are seven and seven team. Seven yeah, and, seven, and they, and they yep. dropped to they would drop to seven eight. The I don't know yep. the Lions who the Lions are playing this week, but um, you know they they the Lions are there in the hunt. The football team and uh, the the Commanders, team. excuse me, and Giants are already ahead of the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. So the Seahawks are basically in a Win, you know, win out. So they're gonna they're gonna be bringing it to Arrowhead. Absolutely. Doesn't sound like they're gonna have Tyler Lockett, the K State kid, um, which is a bummer because I know a lot of people were, yeah, a lot of people were excited to see him Mm -hmm. in Kansas City. His dad played for K State and was a chief for a little bit. Um, So that kind of stinks because he's a really good wide receiver. But what do you expect to see from the Seahawks team? They're gonna be a gritty football team, like you said. They're coming off a tough division loss on Thursday to the Forty Niners. You know, they're gonna be. They're still in playoff contentions. You know, Pete Carroll's going to have those guys ready to go. Um, they got a lot of good football players on there. Geno Smith's been one of the most – one of the craziest quarterbacks to judge this year because the guy that was coming in who we thought wouldn't even have the job. And talking about this game, me and Chris were talking about this game during the summer. We thought this was going to be like a game where the starters mm-hmm. haven't played that much. We may get in and out. And now we're looking at Seattle's a seven-win team. And I think Seattle had – I mean, uh, Vegas had Seattle winning – three games or four games max this year, and they've doubled their win total. So for them to be at this moment where they are now, you have to give a credit where credit is due to Pete Carroll and that and that GM and that, and that coaching staff and to have this team playing as well as they are with so many rookies. Like they have Kenneth Walker, Tariq Woolen, who may end up getting defensive rookie of the year. is playing really good ball for them in the cornerback position. Um, obviously, we know they can run the football really well. They have two rookie tackles, uh, Cross being their rookie left tackle. Uh, they have two one of the most dynamic uh, wide receiver combos and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Noah Fant's another good option for them at tight end. So they have guys that can make plays, and you can never overlook anybody you're playing in the NFL. And I think we're we a perfect example of that seeing the past two weeks who we've went through as far as, like, Davis Mills, Jeff Driscoll, and Russell Wilson. So we can't take um, Geno Smith lightly at all. This is a game where I expect Spags to come in and try to throw some different looks at him, try to confuse Geno a little bit, uh, try to get those tackles on edge because they've been a group that's been susceptible to giving up a lot of pressure. But at the end of the day, man, it comes down to what we do on offense. Like me and Chris said, we're only going to go as far as this offense goes. That's the strength of our team. When we come in and we set the tone and we play hard and we score 
and we finish drives out the gate, we put all the pressure on the other team's offense and give our defense a chance to go out there and rush the passer. So um, every week, guys get a little better rushing the passer. Guys are starting to get more in the jail on, on defense. And uh, we just we got to set the tone on offense. When we score, it makes our defense's job that much easier. Yeah, and I mean, it's another game, and it's very easy to predict these kind of games because of who plays quarterback for the Chiefs and their defense, but it's going to be a shootout. And I mean, yep. it's supposed to be really cold. Yeah, it's supposed it's to be a very cold, cold game, which um, we'll see how much that affects the offenses, but I don't think it's, unless there's precipitation coming down, which I don't think it's supposed to, I don't think it'll be that big of a deal. Yeah. I expect some points to be scored. Because Absolutely. there's just a lot of weapon. That I don't think the Seahawks defense is particularly good. Um, they've got a couple guys like I really like um, Diggs, Quandre Diggs, the safety back there, and they yeah, got another Quandre. couple. Mm-hmm. They got another couple pieces, but like for the most part, I think the Chiefs are going to be able to move up and down the field. It's the issue is I also think the Seahawks are going to be able to move up and down the field. <laughs> so not turning the ball over is going to go Can't a long that. way in this football game. Absolutely. When you don't turn the ball over, this defense gets a lot of opportunity to try to make the jobs harder for the other offenses. But when you continuously put them in short fields, that's not good for this defense because we know we're not equipped. To, and hardly is any defense equipped to stop someone when you put them inside the 30 or the 40. So that's my goal for these next three games is to have no turnovers. And obviously we all saw mm-hmm. Hurts news today with um, Jalen Hurts going down with the shoulder, yeah. injury, which pretty much put Mahomes back at number one odds for being the MVP, even though, in my humble opinion, I thought he was going to win the MVP regardless of what right. happened with the other with the other quarterbacks. But that pretty much stirred up his 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 odds right now for what it's looking like. So, if as long as we come in there and I want us to get in a good rhythm, continue our rhythm of running the football. Me and Chris have been happy about that. But we just got to stay, keep having our good habits, having our eyes up on protections, cutting through the lanes correctly. Obviously, we want to hold on to the ball, Pacheco. No more fumble. Jeremy McKinnon, you fumbled as well. So we just want to have no more turnovers. Like, no, don't put the ball on the ground. I, you know, I said the ten points of pressure, two hands on the ball at all times, especially when you're going through the hole and through contact. You know, guys are going to be stripping, try to dig at the ball. Just practice good habits and play a clean game on both sides of the ball, and we can leave out with a W. And then we're on to Denver after this. Right, right, exactly, and I. Patrick is what I think he has to average something like 250 total yards. So including his rushing yards to like break Drew Brees' record for most total yards in a single season, mm-hmm. which is pretty in close to the uh, single season passing record, which he's yep. also on pace to break. Mm-hmm. So those are two things to watch for two things that are very easy for, for him to do moving, going down the stretch um, having that MVP title here again, I'm with you. I think he was going to eventually kind of win it out anyway, just because the stats, the, the records that he were he was going to set potentially or is on pace to was just going to be too overwhelming at the end. Exactly, especially when you include the narrative like that we all are sick of. But seriously, the offense is better without the fastest dude in the NFL. And they said it was going to fall off a cliff. <laughs> like, and he's going to set he's going to set the passing you know yards for a season record, and he's going to probably set the total scrimmage yards record. It's mm-hmm. like. How do you not give that guy MVP, even if and they had the, and they had the top three, top two hardest schedules? Like what right, right. They're going <laughs> to be the you know the the two seed, maybe the one seed. Like it's they won the division for the seventh straight year. I I don't know how you don't give Patrick Mahomes the MVP. And now with Jalen Hurts, I mean the the what is it like? The Vikings either have to lose a game, like the, the Eagles win one more game, they're the one seed regardless. Exactly. But like also at the same time, if the Vikings lose a game. The yeah, they, they beat out. the Vikings in the head to head. Yeah, the Eagles yeah. could lose out and still be the one seed. So, like, Jay, there's no need reason for Jalen Hurts to play a game before the postseason. So, like, 
taking give, taking those three games away. And Pat's probably going to end up running with it. Unless Joe Burrow, the only thing that scares me is that Joe Burrow and Josh Allen jump up probably to two and three in the mm-hmm. running. And they play each other week 17 on Monday night. And so yeah, if they're both game. still cooking and Pat's just, you know, kind of going through these middle level teams yep. and, you know, one of them goes for 400, you know, or just looks, just puts on a performance on Monday night against the other one. That's the only thing currently that could maybe strip Mahomes from MVP. No, is one is that game Bengals, Bengals Bills and that one of those quarterbacks. Yeah, one of those games odd. going off. One of those players going off. Absolutely. They may hell hell they might both go off, but whoever wins is going to. be. I don't see either defense slowing them down. So yeah, I think that to be yeah. a high scoring game. That's that's Week Seventeen Monday night. Yeah, that, which, that game changes everything because that essentially is going to let us know where we're going to be in our playoff seating. Because obviously that would game would be after on Monday night. So we would have played Seattle this Saturday and then the uh, Denver Broncos the following week on Sunday. So we'll kind of know, all right, at that point, we expect to have two more wins in our schedule. So we expect to be obviously 13 and or 13 and three at that point. So now we're going to figure out or 12 and three at that point. So what are we going to figure out at that point? If the bills beat the Bengals, essentially the bills lock up the one seed, unfortunately. Yeah, but not enough to where the Chiefs can can relax. Yeah, yeah, obviously, Chiefs. yes, exactly. We still want to get the two seed. But if Cincinnati, as the home team on Monday night, beats Buffalo and wins that game, we move back up to one. We mm-hmm. have one more game left on our schedule, which will be the Las Vegas Raiders. And they've obviously had a, a, a crazy win on Sunday versus the Patriots. Don't, <laughs> that even, get was awesome. that, don't even get me started. I team. love that. Jacoby Myers is Bro, he, he corruption. He did. Calvary, I hate. Bro. I hate the Patriots more than the Raiders, just because the you Patriots can't tell have me been he didn't have like, Raiders money on ticket. He threw the ball directly to Chandler Jones. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> he threw to the wrong Jones. Literally <laughs> threw it right to him. Like, no, that's that's that what he's throwing doing. to quarterback Mac Jones. He threw oh, it to oh my yeah, Chandler Jones. Stiff arm was. Uh, I need to make my screen saver. That Abby, I've seen so much <laughs> across Twitter today. It was so funny, bro. That was hilarious. But no, if Cincinnati wins that game. Um, obviously, Buffalo comes down to the three seed because Cincinnati would have a better record at that point mm-hmm. and have the head-to-head win, and we would have come up to the one seed. So that game truly can shift about how, like Chris said, where we can do like our resting if we're going to have a bye week the first week or do we lock in at the two seed so maybe we don't have to play as much guys week 18. So, uh, yeah, that game pretty much holds the cards of what this one, two, three season AFC is going to look like. So that game is going to have everyone's eyes on it for multiple reasons, but even more so now. So, yeah, that's going to be a big, big game to watch. Right, and those are the teams to watch anyway. And we yeah, talked you're gonna about watch a couple of weeks ago. Like Good quarterbacks Monday night. Like Those are the kind of games we want to see on Monday night. Not this freaking Los Angeles Rams versus the Packers. Jesus Lord. Yeah, I haven't even turned it on yet. I don't even care. It's background noise. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're going to the, back to the Seahawks game real quick. So, like, do you have a prediction? How will we see this game playing out? I mean, I think we opened up at what a ten point favorite so far. Yeah, which is crazy. It just blows oh, my why mind. Why do they keep giving us these double digit sprays? I don't get this at all. And we keep and and we don't cover. I didn't. I didn't. I last week I didn't predict the Chiefs to cover, but I did expect them to win by more than more than uh, they did. So for this game, uh, what's the over under set at? Is that it's probably at like for like forty eight or something? It's probably somewhere forty nine. Forty nine. Yep, yeah, close. Uh. We haven't covered yet. Jesus Lord knows how to lock it. 30-24 again. I think it's going to be the same score as the last week game. I don't Stay think it's going to overtime, but I think 30-24. I'm going to go Chiefs. 31-27 Chiefs. Yeah. 
It's gonna be close. Yeah. It's gonna it's yeah, gonna, gonna, gonna be an extra point both ways. Yeah. Everyone's gonna be a family on Christmas Eve, you know, and instead of chilling, they're gonna have to be stressing over this noon Seahawks game. Has no business even being this busy. And thankfully, my pastor said we're having church Saturday morning, so he's Ooh, he's, he's, he's a good guy. Let no one know. Are you going to be able to go? I am going to be able to go. Yes. Oh, so you're like the new super super fan. You know we're in whoa, short. Whoa, whoa. We know we're in short supply now here, Chiefs Kingdom. I'm yeah. able to sell my ticket. What's going on? In <laughs> we're not allowed to have people fans. If you've been on Twitter today for Chiefs Kingdom, you, we were trending. We were like number seven in the world for the wrong oh reasons, God. but we were trending today. Oh my gosh! All about a wolf and his gun. I've never seen this kind of story in my life. This sounds like something you see in a TV show or a movie. This Dude, they could make a documentary on 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 this kid. I fully expect that to be the case in the next four or five years. To be like a Chiefs super fans like Netflix series. Or something. <laughs> For those of you that don't know what we're talking about, there's a there's a Chiefs fan that wears a wolf costume and goes to every game, and he's like a 28 year old kid and puts thousand dollar bets on Jody Fortson to catch touchdowns every he's week, and like he's talking about all this money he's got and everything. He he literally goes to every game, like a, a literally every game, and he's 28. I don't know how he affords. Well, we found out how he affords to do it. He robs banks at gunpoint. <laughs> Let's go, baby. <laughs> he literally on his way to Houston oh, God. stopped in Tulsa to rob a bank <laughs> and got caught. And they were it wasn't a one time thing. They were looking for this man. He's been doing this multiple times. That's I'm, why I'm, he wears the the wolf costume. He drove to every game. I'm so shocked, bro. Like, and I saw the flags. Like, you would think like all this would add up, and I'm like. How come we didn't say this earlier? But you don't want to judge anyone. Like, you know, maybe he has a trust fund. Maybe he just knows some people. Or but you all every game because he can't be. No one's gonna let him on a plane. They're looking for him. Like, yeah, that's why. And he always wore. I will always wear the suit. You don't want anyone to see his face. Like, oh it all my makes sense gosh! Now. Oh my gosh! Pat McAfee, the punter, the uh, former punter for the Colts, he he retweeted it because he was all over the X Factor. Story. He even made, uh, he even made a spoof thing. about that. On he his made show. a spoof about <laughs> it. So of course, Pat McAfee picked up another Chiefs fan doing criminals, criminal stuff. Oh, it's so bad. I don't know. I don't know how it looks from the rest of the league because, like, it is the second time that a Chiefs super fan has made some some level of national news. I don't know of any other teams that have super fans that do that. <laughs> so, like, is that a good thing or a bad thing for Chiefs Kingdom? We're, we're trending for the wrong reasons. This is so yeah, crazy. yeah, I think that's especially off of a Texans game that was a lot closer. Thankfully, than we, we won. Yeah. So, hopefully, Mister uh, Wolfman got to see the the dub. At least somebody could tell him that we won. At least. Man, I can't wait until he's out there watching watching Bronze Mahomes first game after he gets out of jail. He's like, gonna be out first. He's like, he's like, that's all me, baby. Oh all man, Bro- Bronze Mahomes. He's gonna he's gonna get out just in time for Bronze Mahomes retirement speech. It's like literally like the very very first day. <laughs> it's gonna be his debut. He's like, oh man, I remember when he was born. Oh man, I remember watching his dad, and then you know I spent the like. 40 years in the slammer oh god today has been a new, today is today has been an eventful monday to say the least chief oh so my god thank you guys for tapping in with us i uh, love it crazy but very eventful monday like we just said so chris where can the where can the good people reach you at as far as contact social media where can they hit you at my man always on twitter at 10 penny 88 please always love talking ball when whatever whenever so and for you, Mark, and for you, CJ. They can definitely follow me on Twitter as well. Unfortunately, I don't have any wolf suits I will be wearing. You won't find any pictures, but <laughs> you guys can definitely follow me at CGZ81. That's CJEEZY81. My DMs are open if you guys want to talk about betting lines. 
parlays, fantasy advice. You just want to rant, you just want to vent. I'm always here to listen. Hey, there we go. All right. Chris, I actually have this idea. We can start hosting spaces now. Maybe we can start getting some fans. There you go. More live. Start doing space. Not a bad idea there. I would love to. I mean, I don't know if people need to need to hear my ugly mug or whatever. Hey man, we got a lot of people. Shout out to all my supporters at my church and people I see in the city. They like the show. They're like, hey, I listen to your episode. I'm like, wow, we got fans, Chris. Hey, all right. Good to hear, man. Good we're to doing, hear. We're doing something right, bro. More than just my grandma. That's 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 good to hear. Shout out to We love her. Say, yeah, say hi to grandma. Hey, grandma. We love you. Thanks for listening. <laughs> all right, guys. Hey, on, on that note, I think that's going to do it for us this week. We'll talk to you next time. Chiefs. Let's go, baby. Let's go, baby.